It is a new year. Welcome to 2023, episode 36. Dang, I was I was one off. Yeah, 36. I can't believe it. Bringing in the new year with episode 36. Oh, well, I'll just actually be wrong. I'm pretty sure it's 36. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're always right. I always think we're one behind for some reason. I was like, is it 35 just kind of rang off the zone. Well, Brad, how was the new year for you? Did you ring it in? Y'all, do y'all have any like special fun New Year's traditions or anything? Well, so New Year's Eve is mine and my wife's anniversary. So we celebrated 11 years this year. So really just, it was like, we wanted the opposite. This year has been very busy in a good way. But so we just kind of like hung out the house, ate a bunch of appetizers all day, watched a bunch of movies with the kids and just, just hung out, just had a nice, easy ring in the new year, which was very, very welcomed in our house. So that is awesome. That is awesome. We, uh, for a long time when my wife and I got together, we always did New Year's at her parents' house, um, mm-hmm. but we they live in Georgia, and we're here in Birmingham, so we would drive over for Christmas, and then we turn around and drive back, and then we go back again for New Year's, and so oh, wow. a couple of years ago, we just decided to not do that yeah. because, you know, it's fun, and uh, we have started a tradition recently, and when I say recently, the last two years we've done it, we start a Mario Party game. Oh, at yeah. like oh, 10 o'clock. Yeah. And by the time the game is done with when we have people over at our house and everything. So we do a big party. Everyone's screaming and yelling during the games like you yeah. stole my star, bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then, yeah, by the time it's done, it's usually like 1145. So nice. That is a great tradition. I might have to steal that one. That's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. It's a blast. And with that new Mario Party superstars, uh, man, love it. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I'm excited today. Uh, today's guest, you know, we know him. We've I've got Absolutely. to know him a little bit over the last year. He's actually on the Atlas Ascent team. Um, in California now, either he's already in Tennessee or he's coming to Tennessee. So we're happy to have him a little closer, maybe uh, swing by there, do some content. He does some content of his own, too. So um, let's go ahead and bring Andrew in if you're ready. Come on. Let's do it. We want to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Andrew Wood. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Robbie Bragg, great to be here. Excited to be on the podcast and talk about some plastic. Let's Come do on. it. Come on. And now, guys, for those of you who don't follow him, and I don't understand how this man does not have more followers, let's go ahead and call it what it is. Because mm-hmm. if you're watching this, you can see that Andrew might just have the highest quality production setup of any guest we've had on the show so far. Yep. So Andrew does run a YouTube channel, so make sure you stick around. Because we want to give you a time at the end, Andrew, to shameless plug everything you got going for yourself, man. So, hey, absolutely, man. I, I appreciate that. Never pass up a shameless plug. Come on now. Absolutely, <laughs> my brother. So, we want our guests to get to know you and your game. And so, we have a few questions that we ask here on the podcast. The first being, how long have you been playing disc golf? Yeah, man. So like, uh, like a ton of people, I picked up disc golf in the middle of the pandemic. So, I started August of 2020. So, uh, if my math is correct, is that just over two years? 2023. Yeah. Yep. Gosh, man, it's crazy. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. So I, I always like, I'm always curious, especially because there's some people who picked it up, right? They were like summer, early summer. They got bored real fast in the pandemic, had mm-hmm. to do it. And then you have those of you who like picked it up later in the year. You also, you're in youth ministry. I am. Yep. Yeah. So I'm a youth pastor down here in Southern California. 
Yeah. So it uh, also the struggle. I as a former youth minister, I get it. The people are like, man, summers like they were so boring. Yeah, bro. I told my wife at the beginning of every summer, like, I'll see you on the other side, babe. Hundred uh, <laughs> <laughs> percent, man. Yeah, so, it's all okay. gas, no breaks. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then I married a children's librarian, so she also her summers are busy. It was perfect. It was perfect, perfect little setup. There you well, go. You pick. So you picked it up two years ago. If you were playing uh, right now, you step up to a hole. What is average or consistent golf shot backhand distance mm-hmm. and consistent golf shot forehand distance? Yeah, I would say uh, consistent on the backhand. If I hit it, uh, I'm hitting 370. Um, okay. Definitely times it goes a little shorter. Definitely times it goes a little longer. So around 370, though, uh, I feel pretty confident I can hit it. Uh, forehand. Forehand, I'll be honest, man. Forehand is a coin flip. 50% of the time, I'm going to hit it well, and it's going to go like 340 for me. 50% of the time, it's going to go 150 right into the dirt. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I avoid the forehand at all costs. I'm not going to lie. If I was, um, if I was a, an intelligent golfer, I'd be spending my field work working on my forehand. But, you know, why improve your score when you could throw farther? You know what I mean? I, so. We're, we're working on that distance game. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. The number of times that I tell people, oh, Brad, I'm sure you taste this. Like, I'm sure you've even seen it with Brody, right? Like, Brody throws 500 right now. Mm-hmm. And yet, I remember seeing him and being like, he said, yeah, like, what I'm going to do in the offseason is work on adding speed to my run-up so that I can throw farther. Yeah. Well, you know, I've just watched him throw putters farther than I can ever throw any disc ever in my life, so... Yeah. Gosh, must be nice, man. Hey, maybe yeah. one day. Yeah, yeah, not not me, but one day we'll get there. Absolutely. Well, Andrew, we set you up. That's your distance. We set you up on the putting green where, you know, those mm. strokes really come to you. Mm, come on now. And uh, we set you up on the putting green. We got a stack of 10 putters at 15 feet, 25 feet, and 40 feet. How many are you making from each station? Yeah, 15 feet. I'm going to give myself nine out of 10 because I know one of them is going to doink off the front cage. 25 feet, we're, we're probably going more in the six to seven range, you know? Okay. Um, and then was it 40 feet, did you say? Yeah. 40 feet out of 10, I'm hitting two. Um, okay. You know, I like my stepper game, um, but I like it more in my head than it actually works out in reality. So we're, we're going two. Let's, let's be honest here. We'll keep it real, you know? Yeah. I, I think two out of 10 is still really good. So I'm here for you. All, All right. right. Hey, I'll take that. Come on now. No. I mean, Brad, like, have you, how often do you redo this drill, Brad? Um, uh, every other week or so in the warehouse, we have them taped out in the warehouse now. So we call them warehouse putt if we're out playing around like with our weekly, we're like, oh, this is just a warehouse putt. So mm. I've become, I've become very deadly at 25 feet. And then, I mean, I can probably make five out of 10 now at 40 feet. I feel pretty good at that distance. Now, 41 feet, I'm making <laughs> one. <laughs> 40 feet, <laughs> I'm making five. And there's something hey, weird that happens there. Gets in your head right there. Practicing yep. the putt. That's, I mean, that's, that's all practice putting is, right? Is learning mm. the mechanic, learning the toss and throw. Mm, so, yeah. yeah. I think I, I, well, I'm a, I'm like a spush putter okay. naturally, but I think when I get to like 41 feet versus 40, I'm adding more spin and I become way less accurate. I think that's right. really what's going on. Are so. you stepping or are you stand still? No, stand still. I don't really oh, step man. until I'm at like 80, 90 feet. Gosh. Okay. Oh I got to be God. honest. That's yeah. kind of goals for me. I feel like 
the people who who crush circle two putts stand still. It's a little bit of a flex on all of us guys who got a step to get it there. So, you know, I'm uh, may, maybe I'll work on that. Work on the circle two stand still. I feel like that's just a clean look. You know. Yeah. yeah. My coach infuriates me because he literally can do a standstill spin from eighty, and yeah. it's just like on a dime. And oh, it's nope. oh, it's and he's like he's in his fifties, living his dream. And you just get out there and you're like, oh, man, just beat you. Like, I just crushed it past you. And all these young guns are happy about it. And then he's like, okay, yeah, well, it's in. Yeah. And then, of course, they're going to miss your 20. You miss your – You. I don't care who you are. Someone hits a standstill 80-foot spin putt, you are missing your oh, next putt. Guaranteed. Easy. Yep. Yeah. Right in sure. front of the case. Jasper in it all day. Okay. So, Andrew, enough about our insecurities on the putting <laughs> green. <laughs> or per- perhaps, what would you say is the biggest strength of your game right now? Yeah. You know, it probably is my upshots. My, the, the closest course to me is kind of a nine hole pitch and putt. Um, you know, no holes really over 150, 100, 170. Um, so, that's the, the most accessible for me. So, I end up playing that that little track quite a bit, uh, which means my upshots have, have kind of subsequently gotten pretty dialed. So I feel confident um, that I can hit the upshot so I can avoid the putt. You know, that's, that's kind of the strategy at the moment. Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, that's, that's the Nate Doss special. I think it will, I can't remember what year it was, but I remember Nate Doss talking about it on commentary and coverage of saying that people complimented the years he was really like successful people said like you're just one of the best putters on tour mm. and he was like no i just throw better upshots than everybody else so i don't have to putt <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the truth game on with it okay well andrew we want to go ahead and dive into your bag man you got a lot of good stuff in here <laughs> you do have about seven billion like discs <laughs> in your bag yeah, emphasis you a on a lot a lot of, of frisbees in here which, you know, shout out to, uh, we mentioned it during the intro, you are on the Atlas uh, Ascent team. And so, first off, when everyone's out here trying to doubt what the Pioneer can hold, it can hold a lot of frisbee. It can hold a so, lot. Yeah, yeah, come on. He's pushed uh, the limits no since day one, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you have, I think it's like 27 discs in here. Uh, that sounds pretty accurate. That yeah, 27 discs, 20 or so odd molds. Yeah, and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Once again, we we have talked about it plenty of times here on the podcast, mold minimalization. While we see some value in it, it really, as long as you find consistency in your game, that's what counts. And so you approach it however you want to approach it. Now, we'll start with drivers, and we're going to work our way down the speed spectrum. Yeah, so sounds good. Looking at drivers, you do have a couple molds that are layered over the mold that I'm seeing mm. the most of in the bag is the grace or yeah. like the most in the driver slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I bag bag three graces, big fan. I have a flippy, a straight and an overstable. Although if I'm being totally honest, my straight and overstable pretty much the same, but I like the way they both look. So they both stay in the bag. It's kind <laughs> of the, the logic here, you know, that mm. orbit plastic, it looks so clean. And then the, the pink with the, you know, any, anyways, I digress, but yeah, you know, really it's the flippy, that first run, super flippy for me. Um, either the Heiser flip, if I can hit it or, or the turnover. Okay. Awesome. Uh, another thing that I really appreciate for those of you who are watching this visually is that one thing that Andrew did is he goes in and it's a great feature of my disc bag. You can alter the flight numbers of the disc mm. 
So when you look at his chart, rather than just three graces kind of being stacked on one another, I like that you have that flippy one pulled all the way over. So going to that flippy one, what would you say is the difference between it and the Avenger SS? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't have a good answer, man. I think if anything, it's just sort of my mentalization of the two discs. The Avenger SS I have in the bag as my roller slot. Now, do I ever throw a roller? Absolutely not. But in theory, I have that slot filled with the Avenger SS. So um, could I roll the first run grace? just as well as I could roll the Avenger SS, which is not well. So, you know, there, there's definitely some overlap there. Um, I'm trying to think of a way to defend that choice, and I'm coming up short, man. So, yeah, you got me on that one. No, and that's that's fine. I, I That was going to be my follow-up question is, have you ever tried to throw a roller with your grace? I haven't, man. I've never, never even tried it. But I, I know just on how quickly I can get that thing to burn over if I hit my release wrong that I could for sure, for sure do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe that's a, maybe that is a, an opportunity to test yourself is, Hey, let's take the Avenger SS out for, I don't know, a couple, like a couple of weeks, play some rounds at, especially I think with you moving across the country, you're going to find mm -hmm. yourself in new territory. So you'll be scrambling. And I, from what I've heard about California golf compared to, uh, Compared to Tennessee golf, I know Tennessee golf, you're going to be scrambling a whole lot more in some more particular situations. And so I think test it out when you're over there and be like, hey, I'm going to leave the Avenger SS home. Do I find myself wishing I had that roller option and I can't get the grace to do it? Because if hmm. not, that that should build some confidence in the Avenger SS, whereas right now it's just like it's it's there for confidence, but not really if that makes sense. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah, that's, that's something I'm looking forward to about getting out to Tennessee and playing some different, different mm -hmm. courses. You guys talked about this in a, an earlier episode, but you know, down here in Southern California, there aren't that many courses within kind of a, a certain mile radius. So I really only play one or two courses pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. So I kind of know exactly what discs I'm going to throw on what holes. And there's very little variance in that right now. So, um, you know, Getting out and playing some new courses, I think, will really force me to rethink some of the slots in my bag and what I need and don't need, 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one, one, this might, I'm not going to ask you to say, like, what city you're going to if you don't feel comfortable, but what part of Tennessee are you going to? And maybe our listeners can, in the comments, give some suggestions of, like, here's a great course in your area to go check out when you yeah, find yeah. yourself in the middle Tennessee or east or west. 100%. Yeah, it's the kind of the greater Nashville-Franklin area. Yeah. Okay. okay. Awesome. So our uh, our Nashville Music City folk, yeah. Let us know in the comments down below. I've got a couple of suggestions myself, but you know, we'll we'll hear what the people say. Yeah. Hey, yeah. please, please, I need it. Awesome. Well, we've got the grace. I think yeah, the grace is a great option. Obviously, I'm not out. You answered for yourself on the uh, the two graces that fly the same, <laughs> but I also <laughs> am a firm believer that like if we're going to take the Avenger SS out as well. There's a beauty in having that. Like if you find yourself mm -hmm. playing a wood, like a water round or something, there are definitely times where I carry the same exact shot in my bag because it gives me confidence in losing it mm -hmm. because I know yeah. that I'm going to still have it for the rest of the yeah, round. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. So you also have a Zeus 
and they have two Zeus's and arrive. Talk to me about the differences between those. Yeah. So that big Z Zeus is my flippy art of the Zeus. And, you know, that Zeus actually flies like my stable grace. So I definitely experienced this on, on some tee shots where I'll have either my stable grace or my big Z Zeus in the hand. And, you know, I kind of have to make a choice. To a certain extent, I can't make a wrong choice because they're going to fly pretty similar. Um, but, you know, definitely some overlap there. That ESP Zeus, though, is definitely more stable than any of my Graces or that big Z Zeus. So that's generally my go-to uh, hit it flat. No, it's going to go left disc is that ESP Zeus. Now, the Rive is more stable than any of those, and I hardly ever backhand that Rive. That's pretty much a forehand-only disc. I used to have a force in that slot. Um, the only reason I changed over was because I just love the feel of that Royal Grand Plastic. Um, so I changed it over to the Rive. But, you know, with, with what I said about my forehand game earlier being a coin flip, it doesn't come out that often. Um, but I will say it has, because of the more overstability, for my forehand, it gives me more forgiveness than something like that ESP Zeus yeah. um, because I tend to have an Annie release on my forehand. So with that Zeus, if I don't give it the height, it's burned into the ground quick. Whereas with the Rive, I know it can come out of that Annie and I can still salvage you know, a, a, a miss hit on that, that forehand. Okay. That also makes a lot of sense to me on the, the variance of I'm either going to crush it and it's 340 or 150 feet and it burns into the ground <laughs> slapping it right into the right. ground on that, uh -huh. that Annie. That 100%. makes a ton of sense. And Brad, that's not something you can, that's not your game because you're, you're a hyzer boy. Like you're, uh, you're yeah. out here all day, baby. Flip them up. Yeah. I, and what I've recently added to my bag, not tangent here, but um, I've started forehanding a lift and it is changed my distance dramatically. Because mm -hmm. I can, I just put it on hyzer, it'll flip up. I mean, I was hitting like 300, 300 plus with my forehand consistently the other day. So we're working it in. So don't, I mean, give some credit for some understability if you're a hyzer player out there with your yeah. forehand. And Gosh, you're you got to, you got to show me your ways, man. I got to learn that, that hyzer uh, forehand. Yeah. Well, don't look at me. Look at someone that knows what they're doing, but I appreciate that for my ego. Hey, thanks you. Hey, come well, on. I got you. Let's jump to an understable side of things. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that I, I caught just a tiny glimpse of it uh, in a video you did, and then I turned it off, so I wanted to save all of the, uh, the beauty for this podcast. But one of your favorite discs in your bag, it's a nine-speed Discraft disc. Well, come on. Talk to us about it, baby. Oh, it's The Undertaker, baby. All right, so here's, here's a little bit of the backstory with The Undertaker. When I first got introduced to disc golf, a buddy took me out. We had a fun round. He said, hey, just go home and YouTube disc golf. You'll, you'll fall down the rabbit hole quick. And, you know, of course I did. So, you know, this was at the time where Foundation was exclusively discraft. So Foundation pops up. It's a video of uh, Hunter, Trevor, and Paul um, at one of your local courses. And I think it's, you know, Paul rips an Undertaker and Hunter, or maybe it was Trevor, looks at the camera and goes, hey, if you want to throw dead straight 400 feet, go buy a TI Undertaker. So naturally, that's the first disc I ever bought of my own. You know, my buddy had given me a couple. but <laughs> So that TI Undertaker comes in, first disc, um, right out of the box. I rip it hard. It does not go straight and it does not go 400 feet. So feel a little bit lied to. Got a bone to pick with the foundation guys over there. But no, yeah. no. In, in all <laughs> seriousness, no. Um, that disc, I think it's there's a lot of sentimental value um, just in that experience for me. It's also the first and only disc I've ever aced with. Um, and it was a $500 ace pot. You know, so 
felt real good, man. Yeah. I could finally validate all that plastic money I've been spending. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the undertaker. Um, you know, I, I love the disc. I have two in the bag. The TI is, is pretty flippy for me. Um, and then I just put that, uh, uh, new tour series ESP in that's got a little more stability, but, um, yeah, I love it, man. It's, it's definitely my workhorse. Yeah. What's the difference like distance wise between your like flippy undertaker and your flippy grace? Yeah, that's a good question. It's probably in the neighborhood of 20 feet. Um, if I hit them both well on the right amount of hyzer and get them to kind of give me that full, um, full flight, you know, I'm probably mm -hmm. getting the grace 370 and the undertaker 350. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that Undertaker is starting to get uh, more and more understable um, to the point where uh, I can't really hit it full power like I used to. Um, mm -hmm. And certainly not into any kind of uh, uh, headwind. Um, so I have to baby that disc a little bit more than, than I used to. But mm -hmm. I think if I get it right in a tailwind and kind of get it to flip up, you know, I can push it 340, 350. Yeah, I think something I struggle with is in like the the nine to even 11 speed area for me is like justifying this you know having a nine speed versus like an 11 speed because mm -hmm. they really don't go that much farther for me so i'm like why don't i load up on some nine speeds to do different things and like work on some more finesse versus like hitting something super hard yeah. so i don't know if that's right or wrong robbie but that's just kind of an area i'm seeing that's why i asked that question yeah. And I, what I, where I want to take the nine speed is I, while I see, I definitely see value in that for some, for some arguments, if you know, you're getting that consistent extra 20 feet, that validates somewhat having the disc in the bag for me, because if you really, you step up to a hole, um, I'm trying to think for examples, like, I don't even know, like you, you were looking at a 320 foot hole and you're landing consistently at 280 feet. You have, unless you're, if you're Brad, I mean, you're making five out of 10 putts from there uh, because, you know, that's 40 feet, like game on. But if you're a human, Easy. Uh, then the rest of us are struggling at that 40 foot distance. Whereas if you have the extra 20 feet and you know you can get that out of that disc consistently, hmm. boom. But I, where that faster speed issue comes in, and I think that's definitely what Brad's talking about, is that like if you're not used to throwing those 11 speeds and you don't have the nose control of those 11 speeds, that extra 20 feet isn't a guarantee anymore. In fact, yeah. it can hurt you and probably fly less consistently to that 20 feet. Yeah, that was you said it way better than what I was trying to figure out, which is the miss is much bigger for me on an 11 mm. speed versus a nine speed. So I find myself going to like a lower speed, even if, if I know I'm coming up a little short, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm a little short, but I'm a little bit more accurate with those discs than like a higher speed disc. Yeah. So with your Undertaker, with it being a favorite disc, you have the sentimental value of the TI Undertaker. You know, we lied as foundation telling you, hey, it flies so far, 400 feet dead straight. Mm -hmm. Have you ever tried throwing your Undertakers on forehand? I have never tried throwing my Undertakers on forehand. I have been so gun shy of forehanding under stable discs because I already have that tendency to roll my forehands over on Annie. So. Um, you know, I pretty much exclusively forehand the beef, um, because it covers my poor form. So, um, he, here's something I'll say though, Andrew, I was the same way. I had more of like an, 
an axe chopping kind of like forehand mm. and like getting that flex. That's what I was relying on. But like something mentally for me throwing that lift is like, I know I can just be smooth with it. I don't have to kill it. It mm. just naturally yeah. lets me just like kind of gentle hyzer th- and follow all the way through versus like tr- knowing I have to kill it to make it come back to where it is. So I don't know for whatever it's worth mentally, the understable, I just have like a much more smooth and I don't, I don't roll my wrist on them. I don't know okay. what it is. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's helpful. Um, you know, I think for me, if I'm able to get in the right headspace and spend some time in the field, focusing on that and, and playing with that a little bit, you know, every, everybody I watch on YouTube, kind of all the advice I hear talks about, um, you know, the, the learning to throw that forehand with some understability. So it's for sure got to be on my to-do list. Yeah. And it, it's start with hyzers, like just start and you don't even have to do it with, uh, you don't have to do it with your drivers at first even because, and in fact, I would encourage you to not do it with drivers at first mm. because they go farther. So that makes for a really long field work session. Cause you got to walk <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so yeah. grab some understable putters and just throw them on hyzers, like throw them sky high and just do sky hyzers over and over again till you get that consistency. I just, the reason I, I push this is because I know Brad's talking about his lift, which is going to fill a similar slot to what your beaten undertaker is going to do. Mm, okay. And the beauty is you already love the undertaker. Hmm. And if you're already leaning on it a lot, so there's a, there's a hand feel, a subconscious confidence of that undertaker in your hands. Yep. We can add even more to that because now mm-hmm. you're not only stepping up to shots where you got to throw it on a flexor and get it to go straight. Now you can step up and go, Oh, I'm pinched off. I'm in the woods and I still need 300 feet to the basket, but I can't move my feet. Hmm. Easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's Flip good. up that undertaker and just it's gone all the way. So that's that's what we love trying to see what we can do and when you learn how to throw that understable forehand you're gonna watch is like some of your discs get thrown a lot less because suddenly you don't have to take that captain's raptor and karate chop it or the machete (laughs) and karate chop it and let it flex out all the way down the line and you can pull out your favorite disc even more which will allow you to beat in your esp undertaker Hmm. faster because you're gonna be like well i can throw the beat in one Mm-hmm. I bet I can forehand the pretty one too. So, yep, it's for just sure. yeah. options for you. Options. No, for you. hey, so, I love it. I wanna, I wanna make sure that we we're getting through a little. We're getting through fast. We're covering stuff, but I there's one more forehand spot that fascinates me. Uh, the Raptors. I can kind of assume based on the Raptors, right? Raptor gonna like Raptorius gonna Raptorius. It's doing its thing. Mm-hmm. I like that you've got several phases of it. But the glory in the Athena. Hmm. You hmm. knew it was coming. What's yeah. uh talk me talk me through them? Yeah, man, I gotta be honest. I think I just got sucked into the hype, you know. Um like I said, I love that that orbit, that Royal Grand Plastic coming out of latitude, big fan. Um, so the glory was just intriguing to me. Um, and I, I, you know, when I got it, I was not expecting it to be as beefy as it is. I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. just, just me and my arm or if that's, you know, kind of, kind of how this disc flies, but that thing is so overstable for me. So, um, you know, really probably that glory doesn't have a slot in the bag because it flies too similarly to either my Malta or my Raptor. 
You know, mm. I don't really pull it out in rounds. Um, I like the way it looks. It looks cool. You know, that pink pink orbit is uh, pretty fire, but it doesn't really get thrown a lot for me. Um, the Athena, you know, once again, it's just one of those things where, you know, the marketing is so good on these discs, man. Just take my money. So I had to have one. You know, I had to had to at least see what all the hype was about. Um, and I, I will say, though, I actually really like the Athena. Um, I'm really enjoying throwing it. I've never really played with that T-Bird slot before. Um, you know, I've just kind of gone from the the Buzz to the Undertaker to the Raptor and kind of skipped seven speeds altogether. Um, so, you know, to be honest, I haven't thrown it enough probably to know what job exactly it does for me, but I do know when I throw it, I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, when I threw the Athena, it, I didn't bag it, but it was definitely like a slower vulture for me, which I liked, mm, but okay. I didn't, I didn't really have a spot for it necessarily. I had other discs that are kind of covering that gap. Yeah. And Brad, I, I think you can speak to that a little bit of the, like we've talked about it on the podcast before the miss it, like skipping past the seven speeds to mm-hmm. just go from mid to nine. So yeah. Yeah, it's a very like it's a very common thing, Andrew. So don't feel like you've like done something wrong in terms of mm-hmm. you know I've never messed around with a T bird and everybody says you should have a T bird clone in your bag or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I think for me, it's coming back to my point earlier. Like I didn't see a lot of uh, distance difference between like my Athena and my beat up Vulture. Like I'm throwing them both pretty the same, so it just didn't make a lot of sense for me. I, although I did like the flight, so. Yeah. yeah, that that makes sense. I think I can see see that similarity because I do have a vulture in the bag as well, um, and I think I I don't know that I hit my Athena quite as far as my vulture. Um, although now that you say that, I'd be curious to throw the two in a field side by side and see. Um, but I do think the flight path actually is similar. Yeah, for sure. It, it, now that you yeah. say that. Yeah, it was very very similar for me. And the thing again, the thing I like maybe like puts the vulture ahead of the athena is like the ground play like if i if i'm throwing my vulture i want the ground play right and like the okay. athena i didn't really get it so maybe that's just part of the reason for me too all factors yeah. to consider so let's mm-hmm. jump we're gonna we're gonna be talking about mid-ranges so we're gonna jump right over those and head down to putters for a brief moment so um i i did watch you're in the bag for this portion of it and something you talked about is that this sort of straight to understable putter slot for you, you've got a lot of discs competing for that slot between your Berg, your inner core. There's not even, there was a Luna mentioned in that video, but it, it didn't even make the chart. So what's going on in that battle for you right now? Yeah, man, hundred percent. So, you know, for a long time, it was the tour series Luna. That was what I was relying on. Um, and you know, I found that disc, <clears throat> excuse me, to be workable. So that's what I enjoyed about it. Um, but gosh, getting choked up talking about that Luna, man. RIP. It, it hits Luna. deep. Yeah. Gosh. Um, no, but you know, really, actually, where this started was with the Envy. So kind of, I'll work my way back. I had the yeah. Envy in my bag for a while. It had come out. I just missed it. That disc is so good as a driving putter, as a throwing putter. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Envy had to come out. And then when the inner core came out, you know, I'm a huge fan of Jesse and Trash Panda and the work that he's doing. And the inner core is just such a money disc. It had to make the bag. Uh, no question about it. So, you know, 
and then actually it was Jesse who turned me on to the Berg um, when he was when he was out here the last I played around with him and he you know he got me on the Berg so then I got a Berg so now I have all these discs competing and the Luna I kept in the bag because it's always been in the bag but I was never throwing it so that's why I didn't make the chart it came out of the bag. You know, my putters are a mess. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, even as I'm sitting here trying to talk about it and explain it, um, there's there's for sure some some overlap going on. And, uh, you know, when I step up to an upshot, you know, I, I did say at the beginning of this podcast that that's probably where I feel m- most confident in my game. Um, but definitely I wouldn't say I'm always confident on what disc I'm throwing on what upshot because I think I can mm. make any of those discs do similar things um so it's sort of a, a little bit of a just whatever i'm feeling that day but yeah. yeah if i was if i was really looking to score best going into a tournament round that's a, a slot i would probably want to bring some clarity to yeah. yeah i feel like i'm just to get justify your your mess as you called it and your putter category i'm kind of in that same spot like I'm just trying, I'm trying out a bunch of different ones to see like what I like, and then I'm going to narrow it down. So maybe that's kind of what you're doing in your mind and you don't realize mm. it. Yeah. 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 Hey, I'll take that logic. I'm here for it. Yeah. See, I got your back. Yeah. yeah. It's, goes if two it's ways. a strength, if it's a strength of your game, to me, that makes a lot of sense why you throw all of them really well, right? Like, you know, you're confident in that area mm-hmm. and you have worked with the Berg enough to beat it into a comfortable place you've worked with your envy enough to beat it into a comfortable mm-hmm. place. You, the inner core, let's be real. None of us have had them long enough. Uh, and like, even for those of us that got them early, like pre-release, mm-hmm. like we still don't have enough time to beat one into a place of like, I'm, I'm still not willing to be like, you know, Jesse love you to death, brother. The inner core, when it beats in, is going to be a fantastic disc to do hmm. exactly what I needed to do. I don't know. And yeah. so the inner core, it's just that good off the shelf. So I love that. And I love that you have the confidence in that slot. I think that while you could bring in some clarity when you play an event, to me, having thrown a Berg in an inner core, the difference I've seen is just the sheer amount of glide. Hmm. That's like true. I, when I throw an inner core, it just seems to go forever. Like some of my longest putter shots that I've thrown have been an inner core. And yet the Berg is literally designed to get to the ground. Like right. it, it comes out, it does that short shot. So I, I think that while they're similar in terms of flight, you nailed it with like the Berg has a purpose. Hmm. The inner core has a purpose. Your envy has a purpose. So I want to tell you that I don't, I don't think you have as much muddied waters as you do, because if you did have the muddied waters i don't think this would be a strength for you hmm. i appreciate I think that you would, that's you would pick the wrong disc often yeah can i also just say if it's a str- an area of strength in your bag i think it makes sense to have more molds to play with because you have more control and a little more finesse versus like if you're like hey i'm not really good at heiser flip shots you have like one disc you're trying mm, to learn for okay. that so yeah. i think that makes sense too yeah yeah and i sounds good I, that was at loving the inner core, I would consider that upshot area a strength of mine as well. And I came out of Logmas and was like, oh, baby, I get to actually use my bag again. This is fun. And I had the inner core and my polecat just competing with one another. Yeah. And I finally had to be like, stop using the inner core for these shots. Like hmm. the inner core is not what I need for these touch up shots. 
I need to use my polecat for these. Yeah. Yeah. And so shifting it to just because it's a putter doesn't mean it has to be used for approaches was a huge game changer for me Mm -hmm. in terms of looking at my bag. So really I, yeah, I want to compliment you on that. I think you have a really well-rounded bag. The only two discs I think that compete that I think might compete in your bag. And you can tell me if not is your jawbreaker zone versus your neutron envy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that jawbreaker zone is, um, a little beat in as well. So that's a pretty straight disc for me with the reliable finish. Um, you know, I keep that disc in the very far corner of my bag. I don't keep it up in the putter pocket because I so rarely reach for it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I have the, the overstable zone that the get freaky, um, that I reach for quite a bit and that goes right in the little, you know, tongue of the bag. Um, and then the MVs up in the putter pocket. So, you know, I think, I think maybe I'll, I'll point to Brody on this one. That's, you know, is watching him is the reason why I bought a jawbreaker zone in the first place. Cause he always talked about his and how much he loved them and the things he could do with them and beating them in and, you know, a beat in zone, he's going to throw it 400 feet. And, you know, you, you maybe start to see a little bit of a theme here in my disc buying habits. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I do like that disc. I think it's probably if I need to approach forehand and straight, that's mm. probably in theory the disc I'm going to reach for, mm. which is why it's in the bag. But that just so rarely ever happens in reality for me in a round uh, because I can also flick that MV forehand if I need to, you know? Yeah. I, I am like, when we do our next reunion show, Andrew, I'm so excited to have you on because of the fact that you're going somewhere where you're going to be playing multiple courses. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you're saying like I rarely have to do that straight approach shot, bro. Welcome to Woods Golf. You throw that straight approach shot all the time. Like you just missed the fairway at the very end of the, like your shot, and now you need like the last seventy five feet of distance on a bullet. Boosh. Yep. Yeah. Super yep. straight. No, that's exciting to me because. I'll be honest, I've never played woods golf in the traditional sense of it. That's just not really an option down here in, you know, Orange County, Southern California. There just aren't, aren't woods. You know, I've only really played open style and golf course style golf. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm really pumped to get in the woods and, um, see what that's all about. It'll be a whole new experience. Let me give you a mantra that you can repeat when you start playing woods golf. Disc golf is fun. I like disc golf. Disc golf is fun. <laughs> I like disc golf. Just remember to say that to yourself a couple times around so you don't lose it. I'll write yeah. it on my forearm so I can. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. You can do like one each finger. Uh-huh. Disc golf <laughs> is fun. Uh, I'm yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. 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 No. So that's, I mean, I changed my mind to the disc golf was designed to be played in the woods. Uh, truly. And so mm-hmm. there's nothing like the feeling of watching a disc work its way down a wooded mm. path. Like it's so beautiful, but I, I can completely relate to you on the jawbreaker zone, not because I have zones in my bag, but I have a pig that literally lives between my like super beat in one and my super overstable one mm. for exactly what you're talking about. When I need something that's a little torque resistant, but I can put straight. Um, and I have a disc that flies like the MB as well. I think because it's that subconscious confidence reversed into forehands, because I'm so used to forehanding a pig 
when I try to forehand my sensei is what I have hmm. uh, okay. in that NB yep. slot. It just feels different. Like it, it feels like a disc that while I can forehand it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right to forehand it. But when I put a, when I put a pig in my hand or when you put a zone in your hand, you're like game on, I yeah. know how to use this in this shot. And so it's just that little bit of difference. So mm-hmm. completely agree with you there. Let's dive into mid ranges. You have three mid ranges in your bag. That's right. So you can definitely relate to like, this is, this is Brad's bag. I uh, truly at the beginning, just with a little more latitude sprinkled in there. Uh, so <laughs> yep. I, I look at this and I see the Malta clearly defined overstable get left. Do mm-hmm. you throw it on some like flexes at all? I I don't often. The Malta is my least thrown of those three discs. Now that's probably okay. just due to the courses that I play. Um, really, I throw the Raptors um, or the Zone. The Malta gets skipped quite a bit, but okay. um, you know, I definitely could throw it on flex in, in theory if I needed to. Okay, and then the Buzz. The Buzz is pretty far over. In terms of a buzz, talk about your buzz. Yeah, so that that yellow ESP buzz, man. It's uh, you know also one of those early purchases. You know, one of the first couple of discs that I ever ever bought. So that thing is kind of kind of old and trusty. It's been in the bag a long time, and it means it's, it's gotten pretty beat up. So um, you know that buzz is doesn't doesn't have the stability of of kind of your your out of the box or most of your normal buzzes, um, which is what I love about it. Um, it, it still has just a, maybe a touch of stability, um, that if I get over just a little, it'll still fight back to flat to finish. Um, you know, but for the most part, that's sort of my 300 feet and in point and shoot, get it straight, land it flat, go to disc. So by far my most thrown of the three mid ranges, um, and my most workable as well, you know, that buzz, mm. if I put it on hyzer, it'll flip up and, and go a little bit, but it's not going to flip all the way over. If I put it on Annie, it's not going to fight back. If I hit it flat, it's going to stay flat. So, um, you know, most of the time, unless it's a, a pretty drastic left or right shot, I'm picking the buzz and I'm manipulating the angle as opposed to reaching for the meteor or the Malta. Um, okay fascinating like truly fascinating so let's talk about the meteor because let, we're going to talk about the meteor and then i'm going to bring people into a conversation and including brad that we had before you came on the podcast so tell us about your meteor what does it do in relation to that buzz like when do you go for it instead yeah the meteor is if i need that backhand left to right moving shot um, you know, that's, that's more than just a little drift, but I need it to actually kind of get right. The meteor is kind of what I'm going to try and hit high and let it glide. Right. Um, so it's a fairly specific shot. Um, and that's kind of really the only time I reach for the meteor consistently. Um, the meteor I think would be a great hyzer flip disc for me. I'm just not always confident on the hyzer flip shot. Um, like if there's trouble left, I'm not going to try and hyzer flip because half the time I try, I just hyzer and I don't flip. And then I'm 
OB left. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Um, yeah, the meteor is really like if there if there is trouble left, and I'm going to throw the meteor, I'm going to hit it flat, and I'm going to risk burning it over, um, or try and hit it high and let it let it glide right. But you know, even in that situation. I'm grabbing the buzz and trying to hit it just on a touch of Annie more often than I'm trying to hit the meteor uh, okay. flat or on a little bit of hyzer. So, um, you know, to, like I was kind of saying earlier, there's w- two very specific holes at Huntington Beach, which is where I play kind of mo- most often, where that meteor is an option depending on the pin location, which mm-hmm. is really the reason it's in the bag is, is for those two holes. When the pin is in the right spot, it's it's a meteor all day, you know? And it's your meteor is beaten, right? Like yeah, it is yeah, yeah. way uh, yeah. flippier than like a standard meteor is going to be kind of a deal. Yeah. Had, had that meteor for a long time um, for sure. So it, it definitely has, has a lot of flip to it. Okay. Well, Brad has, Brad is notorious for like having to live kind of in the darkness of terms of, I send him to the field with a bunch of discs and I'm like, here's what you're going to do. He's mm-hmm. like, Okay, uh, I guess I'll do that. So, uh, one thing I I love your bag, and it, it sounds like you like we you I know we talked about there was some overlap, and that's kind of what we've hit on the most here. But one question that I asked you before you came on was: you have a mm-hmm. solid bag. What area of your bag are you most confident in? What area of your bag are you least confident in? And what answer did you give for least confident for your bag? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not even remembering what exactly I said when you asked me that. Um, yeah, so if so, you remember, you can help me out. Oh, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. So um, you had said it's that left to right, like, yes, anything left, left, to, left right. to right shot. That, yeah. Yes, anything left to right. Because the forehands, the coin flip, anything that I need to get to go left to right, trying to hit that any angle. I have a natural hyzer release, not, not drastic, but like slight. Um, and I struggle to get kind of that Anheuser shot. So anything moving left to right is, uh, a a little bit stress inducing for me. Yeah. So Brad, what discs did we send you to the field to try out? Okay. So I threw an ESP meteor today, um, against, uh, this really cool misprint lobster that meant sent over. Um, and I also just kind of as a control disc, I'm starting to do that a little bit more. I threw a VIP air, uh, Tarsus and forgive me if I'm saying that wrong. I think I say it wrong. So I threw these discs against each other today. Um, meteor I'm very familiar with. I used to bag a meteor. I actually bagged one for a very long time, a TI meteor, um, Tarsus. I've thrown a few times. My youngest son bags one. He loves it for this exact shot. Uh, and then the lobster I've only thrown a handful of times. So it was kind of like a, and I love mint and I think that's well known here. So it was like the plastic was comfortable. So it was an interesting experiment today for sure. So here's, I'll, I'll pull the, like the lift the curtain away. So you all can see my fingers working behind the curtain. (laughs) So looking at your bag, Andrew, I think one of the reasons that you struggle with this left to right shot is you've got a lot of discs that are either neutral to overstable or really understable. Like you've yeah. beaten them in to be super understable. Your Grace, your Avenger SS, the Undertaker, the Meteor. Like the inner core is probably the only disc that lives in this chasm hmm. that is just like fresh and workable hmm. in that yeah. slot. 
Yeah. So because of that, I think that 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 is what's giving you the weakness in it is that because you've beaten all these discs in and you don't have discs that like you're in the process of getting others to fill the gap, fill the mold, um, cycling. This is the dark side of cycling Mm -hmm. is when you don't fill the replacement. Yep. So for all the people that are like Robbie's a homer when it comes to mold minimalization, <laughs> I want to I want to discuss I want to talk about all the weaknesses of it, right? So here's why I had Brad try these discs is Brad I wanted you to see a fresh one, and you've got experience with the meteor. Mm-hmm. So I think the meteor people misrepresent often as being like this crazy. I think when people think about the meteor, they think about your mm-hmm. meteor, Andrew. Hmm. Okay, right. So I'd agree. I want to I want to know was that actually true Brad when you threw it did these discs like how were these discs in terms of natural understability that you threw today Yeah so again I'm trying to this is really helping me because I'm really focusing on that very flat release I'm trying not to like give it hyzer or anhyzer right um, so the meteor and ESP was surprisingly like like you said Robbie I think it's very misrepresented uh, because it went pretty straight and had like a nice gentle left to right fade. Hmm. And then if I on purpose gave it a little bit of Annie, like not a lot, like a little bit, it would take that, it would drift much quicker, but it would like check up a tiny bit at the end. Like it wouldn't roll on me. So, um, the lobster was pretty identical. I would say it's left to right movement was a little quicker than the meteor, um, on flat release. However, I did feel like the lobster had more glide than the meteor. Like it definitely went a little farther every single time I threw it, no matter what angle I threw it on. Uh, and then again, the Tarsus was just was more of a control for me to see. Um, obviously on a flat release for me, if I'm hitting it like 70% power, which is what I was hitting all these on, it really wanted to like burn. Like obviously it's one, it's 159 grams. So it was very light. Um, the fun shot I did throw with the Tarsus just to throw it out there was I put it on a lot of hyzer and I could actually hyzer flip it up completely and get it to turn completely. So mm. it was like this huge, like I call it a U shot almost. So that was, that was fun. There's a, I'm sure a place for that. Not for me because I don't have the skill yet, but I'm sure it is. But yeah, the, the meteor definitely it did left to right, but not as much as I remembered it or much as I thought it was going to. And same thing with a lobster. It was just both a gentle left to right lobster, maybe a little quicker left to right movement, but it, it did stay in the air longer, which I liked. Yeah. Yeah. So one like, uh, okay. So looking at that, Brad, did you throw them on any like hard Anheuser's at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I did throw them all on hard Anheuser. Uh, what I will say is if you hit them really, really hard on Anheuser, like I went full power. I mean, they're going to turn over. Like it just, mm-hmm. it, they're going to burn over, right? But I will say um, both the ESP Meteor and the Lobster, if I'm being honest, if I gave them a little ante and hit them with power, they didn't burn over. Like they definitely turned very fast. Uh, and they like kind of on that squeaky edge of they almost wanted to burn over, but they did mm-hmm. check up at the end. They didn't like completely flip over even with a little bit of heat on them. So what it, that actually let me do, it's just something I don't do often. And I did with these discs after a few throws was I actually, I think anyone that's a regular listener knows I fan grip my mids. I power gripped all of these after a few throws today. 
So it made me feel like I didn't, ha- I could actually hit them a little harder cause they wouldn't turn over on me. Hmm. That's come on with it. All right. Mission accomplished. Great job. So I, my question then would be, Brad, could you see value in having one of these to complement the, like to complement, you've heard how he talks about the buzz and then you've heard the meteor. Do you think this lives in the void or is it too much overlap? I think really the lobster particularly, like, because when you were describing your buzz, I'm like, that's kind of how this lobster was. Because even like the lobster, when I was throwing it on hyzer, it would flip up a little bit, but it doesn't like do this giant flip up. Um, it's probably more like your buzz off the shelf. I mean, maybe with a okay. little bit more left or right movement, probably. Um, but I think the lobster definitely is there, uh, probably right between on your chart between the buzz and the meteor hmm. is what I think right now. Yeah. Just with how you're describing the understability of your beat-in meteor and then kind of like the, I'll use the word moldability of your buzz. I think you'd probably be able to do that with a lobster, but without let me ask you this question. Do you feel like with your buzz, you really have to like to get it to like Heiser flip to go straight? Do you really have to hit it pretty hard or do you, are you throwing an easy shot? Uh, to get it to Heiser flip, I got to hit it for okay. sure. If I hit it flat, you know, I can, I can take a little off it and keep it flat. Mm-hmm. But if I want to flip it, yeah, I got to hit it hard. Which that's, that's the thing I love about like the uplink specifically is I don't have to hit it hard at all to make it do that motion, that like flip up. And I think it's really the lobster is probably like the, what is going to be good for you in that area because you can hit it like probably back down, like maybe even 50% power and get the same results you're getting with that beat in mm, buzz. Okay. So in, in my experience, I've become more accurate that way, the less yeah, power I put sure. into it. So maybe that's kind of what I'm thinking, Robbie. Yeah. I and that's that is what I'm here for is the let's get you a disc that naturally wants to go right but isn't burning over and so that way you can suddenly see like cuz I I appreciate that you're saying hey for the like more often when the shot asks for a meteor I'm still not going to the meteor I'm mm-hmm. making the buzz mm-hmm. work for that shot yep yep so Let's you already have a meteor in your bag, and I, I'd be curious to see over time if you had this lobster in your bag getting something that's naturally doing that shot, how much more often you might end up throwing your meteor as well. Hmm. Okay. Because of that. So yeah. and I think like you're gonna have room in your bag because if you I mean, if you do any of the overlap elimination that we talked about you're going to have like eight discs that are removed out of your back. So it's, <laughs> yeah. you got so much room for activities. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I, I, again, I think that it's really important for like, again, like a brand new ESP media, brand new lobster in the um, apex plastic. Again, flight wasn't that much different, but for your bag, I think it definitely lives between the two. It yeah. will give you more confidence again, especially when you're going to woods golf and you have to have like, you have to be like, okay, I need accuracy over everything right mm. now, but I still mm. need that shot shape. I think that gives you the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Very cool. No, I love it. I'm here for it. So our follow our final question then Andrew would be would you be willing to come back on the podcast from a different state and uh, let us know how things are going? Yeah, oh absolutely, man. I, I love to. It's been a blast getting to talk with you guys, and I'm always down to to talk some disc golf and some plastic. So that'd be great. It's awesome. Come on with it. Well, 
Andrew, then we will look forward to having you on a reunion episode here in a few weeks. Let's go. Sounds good. All right, right, man. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. All right, y'all. So we just had Andrew leave, and your boy is uh, a dum-dum. And I forgot to let him do the shameless plug. So this is Operation Robbie C. Shameless Mm -hmm. plug. Here we go. For Journey Disc Golf. If you're looking for the destination in disc golf, make sure if you're looking for great gear reviews, tutorials, and all things disc golf, head over to Journey Disc Golf. That's at J-O-U-R-N-E-Y Disc Golf. Call that. No, it's Journey. Uh, Andrew is doing a phenomenal job. I'm telling y'all, he is at at the time of this recording, he's at about one and a half thousand subscribers, and that actually blows me away because his quality of content is super good. Very he's got good. fantastic music in the background. He's currently on a journey improving his game as well, the road to 450. So if you're looking to cross that 400 mark, definitely join him because he is doing so much. And I, I think what's really fun as a creator, personally, going from like having an outlet to kind of share your disc golf journey, you're going to get to see what it's like to go from someone who's played those closed courses like we've talked about to suddenly playing wooded golf. I think that's going to be some fantastic content that y'all are definitely going to want to check out and follow along. He's going to be doing big things y'all. So that's journey disc golf. And I love, he's very, he's very honest with himself and like what he's going through. And I think that's helpful for everybody. So I think a lot of people like that about this podcast. So I think you'll enjoy over there too. So absolutely. So check it out. Uh, If we can, get it down we'll try to put a link for it in the description of the youtube channel as well uh or the youtube video for this podcast so you guys can check it out but it's Mm -hmm. journey just how you would spell it so andrew thank you again for coming on really appreciate it brad you mentioned it and i like looking at the flight numbers you might have thought bro we're throwing an understable mid-range why is he not having me throw the uplink here Mm -hmm. yeah i i get why you didn't yeah, it makes a lot of sense. We don't we don't need something that just will just go right into infinity. We needed something that's like controllable and moldable. So completely made sense why we put those discs together. Yeah. And I, I will say to the listeners, we uh you know, with the new year, we Brad and I have talked about it jokingly in a text, but like if we had in the bag discs, it's an easy answer for us, right? To get some mm-hmm. custom in the bag uplinks going yep. for you guys. Would y'all be interested in some custom in the bag discs? Because yep. I mean, they'd be good. So obviously, yeah, you got to put them in the bag. And what about some in the bag merch? Do you want to see some in the bag merch? I mean, apparel, accessories. We, it's yeah. a new year, new possibilities. So you let us know in the comments what you want to see. If you're like, hey, we don't want any of that stuff, that's fine too. You can yeah, say let that. us know that too. <laughs> we, yeah. I actually, you know, I suffer through the podcast every week and uh, I thank you. Thank you for your suffering. We appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) No. So one of the ways that we do get to do this though, is thanks to foundationdisc.com. So Brad, what's new in the warehouse? All right. So we've got a couple things this week. Um, Number one, we've got the, from mint discs, we've got the glow goat and the glow Mustang dropping on Friday when this podcast airs. So make sure you check it out. I, the goat doesn't have a spot in my bag, but I love the design. It has like little goat heads all the way around that has a little animation to it. So 
pretty cool. Uh, Glow Mustang. Mustang is something I'm just trying to put in my bag. I love how it flies. If you remember that episode, Robbie. Yeah. So that may that may bump out some other stuff. We'll see. Uh, let's see. Discraft. We've got a bunch of ESP Flex, the new ESP Flex, and about every mold you'd ever want. Uh, it feels awesome. So make sure you check that out. I mean, Thrashers, Undertakers, Zones, Buzzes, you, you name it. They, it's an ESP Flex. We have a little bit of all of it. So make sure you check those out. Um, also, something new we're going to be dropping is we're going to have a uh, we have a local disc dyer here. His name's Gordon. So we're going to put a, a dyed disc section up on our website. So this will be yeah. live at, at the time of this. So a lot of cool, interesting. I mean, we got some dyed uplinks and jackalopes and. Uh, buzzes, just a, a variety of different disc and manufacturers up there. So make sure you check those out too. Dude, that sounds awesome. The, the die disc section. I mean, that's someone asked me, uh, I was at the shop last week and someone asked like, Oh, Robbie, you still dying discs and all that. And I was like, y'all, here's what I came to believe. There are people out there who are way more gifted than myself at mm -hmm. doing that whole disc dying thing. So yeah, I'm just going to let the the creators create. Yeah, right. Yeah, there, this this guy is great, and he does a lot of interesting stuff. He does spin dyes and all the other varieties of dyes. I don't know the lingo, but it's all cool. So make sure you check those out as well. There's also an exciting announcement coming out that has already come out at this point, but in case our listeners don't know, Robbie will let you tell them. Yeah, so the Robbie C channel is officially joining Foundation Disc Golf. So it Let's is. Go. I am super super pumped to be a part of the team it's like it's weird like saying it out loud right now because it's mm. been in the works for so long and right. it's still like we record this before that announcement has gone live so i'm like oh do i keep it on the hush hush but y'all know yeah. it's it's super it's so fun i've really enjoyed getting to build a relationship with brad and hunter and all the guys over on the team um and i just i think it's a really cool opportunity to help grow the Robbie C brand, but also to bring something that foundation currently doesn't have. I think one thing mm -hmm. I really respect about foundation disc golf is that there's such a emphasis on media and mm -hmm. providing that content for the disc golf world overall. Mm -hmm. And so getting to come in and sort of be like the coaching help to foundation is an honor uh, and something that I'm super stoked for. Yeah, we're pumped. We're pumped about it as well. I mean, we'll get to, you'll get to see Robbie and more stuff on Foundation, and you know some of the other guys on stuff on on the Robbie C channel. So pumped about that. We'll even be able to do some uh, live in the bag episodes where we're together, Robbie. We've never done that, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Like, yeah, it's just it's more opportunities. I mean, hey, I'll be up in Lynchburg uh, a couple times a year at least, mm -hmm. uh, and including very conveniently something like world's coming to lynchburg in 2024 yeah yep. game on y'all yeah it's we're so excited so a lot of cool stuff happening here we and but none of it happens without, without you all so thank you for your support on this podcast thank you for your support at foundationdiscgolf.com and you know buying your disc over there and your merch and your apparel um all of that happened all, all of this only happens because of you so we're all very grateful Absolutely. especially rolling into 2023 thanks for hanging out with us and staying uh, fans and customers of foundation. So we're very appreciative of all of you. Yeah. Buying that stuff. And as always, remember if it's good. Yep. Keep in the bag. We'll see you all for episode 37. Damn. Oh,